Looking for his fifth win of the 2019 season and a pass to the second round of the playoffs. Martin Truex Jr. wins in Vegas. Welcome back to another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast where we remain red hot here with Truex knocking off another victory for the podcast. The streak continues. It looked like for a little bit there towards the end, Harvick was out in front and may stay there. But then after those green flag pit stops, Truex came out of that really close to him, and then it just seemed like it was inevitable. I mean, the announcers, right after the pit stops happened, they were all over it saying Truex was much faster lap by lap, and he caught him with about 20 laps to go. Much to the delight of everyone who had money on Truex and didn't have anything on Harvick, just like I told you to do last week, and it works out yet again. So hopefully we can keep the streak going. It was a good day all around, though. I mean, the head-to-head matchups even really worked out for us. I mean, we had Truex over Kyle Busch. That was good value. It didn't really seem to make sense that there was uh, such an underdog there for Truex, but obviously he won the race and he won the matchup. Logano beat Kyle Busch. Busch ran into some trouble at the very end there. Looked like that matchup wasn't going to go our way, but Sure sure enough, it did. Then Larson over Jones, whoo baby. If you had that one, you were feeling good very early in the race because you blinked and Eric Jones was 15 laps down working on that the rest of the race. So that was an easy victory. Amarola over Suarez. Those guys were going back and forth nonstop, but at the end of the day, Amarola won it for us who had money on him. We had a couple misses on the day. One was a really painful one. We had Kozlowski over Harvick, and they finished... Uh, two and three, Harvick and Kozlowski, respectively, there. So we lost that one just barely, and that blew up the parlay. It's the elusive parlay over these past few months. I've missed on every parlay just because of one driver. So, you know, maybe this week, I don't know, are we feeling lucky coming out of Vegas? And Elliott versus Blaney, again, just missing. We had Blaney over Chase, and Chase won that one, finishing fourth over Blaney's fifth. And then finally, William Byron continues to be the bane of my existence as he beat out Alex Bowman last week, and I'm just avoiding Byron this week altogether. This will be the last time I mention his goddamn name. So forget about him, forget about those losses, because overall we did very well last week. I'm coming out of Vegas with some full pockets, so we're ready now to move on and talk about Richmond. So we have the the fall race, the night race to talk about. So just to preview the podcast here, we're going to go over some winners, winner's circle. We're going to see if we can keep the streak alive, choosing uh, somebody that's going to win the race. We're we're red hot right now, and we'll go through about five guys. We're going to try to pick a guy from each team and uh, figure out who the the best representative of each team is going to be this week at Richmond. Then we'll talk about some head-to-head matchups. We've got five matchups to preview this week, and I like all five of them. Uh, well, really, I like four, and then fifth one's a toss-up, so we'll let you choose that. Choose your own adventure type of deal. When it comes to top tens, I got a couple guys who I think I like heading into Richmond. 
but uh, definitely some guys that you want to avoid. And I think that is uh, more valuable at a place like this. So we're going to talk about our overall strategy and how to bet on Richmond this weekend. And I think that strategy conversation is going to lend itself to how to put some bets in for guys in the top 10. Then we're going to wrap it off with a rant, I guess you could call it. We're trying to come up with ways to make betting on NASCAR better, some things that can be improved. And I've got an idea based on stuff that I've done in real life that I think could really take off. So we're going to call it lottery bets. That's the the general concept, the general idea. And I'm going to lay that out there for you. And uh, we'll see if it could, you know, possibly pick up some steam. So that'll be how we end the podcast today. So as always, let's start off before we get into the actual picks on who we think could win the race this weekend. I like to always start off by talking about the track because that is very important to me. And and looking at track history is a way that you can kind of use something to your advantage when you're placing bets. So 126 races at Richmond in the past. That's a very large sample size. It's a lot different than what we're going to be talking about next week. But I think these numbers are very relevant to the conversation here because we are recording this much earlier than practice and qualifying. So it's something to consider. It's the it's the endless dance. Is it worth putting money in after qualifying because you know where the guys are starting and you can play to your advantage? Or do you do it beforehand to try to get better odds and try to predict who's going to be starting up front? So the reason we're talking about that is because at Richmond, 58% of the time, the people who have started in the top, the winner has come from the top five starting position. That's that's a very large amount. And then 78% of the time, that means 97 times in the past, the winner of the race has come after starting in the top 10. That is very large. Only 11 times in the history of Richmond has somebody started 21st or further back and won the race. So very important numbers to consider. But what I'm trying to do is predict guys who are going to be starting up front, starting in that top 10, who consistently, you know, their average start position is higher than most. So that leads me to the strategy for this week, in my opinion. And it's a little bit different than what we've talked about in the past, where we're saying, okay, let's spread it out because even though the odds may be, you know, greatly different from one guy to another, we still think that everybody has pretty equal shot of winning. That is not the case this week at Richmond. I'm going mostly chalk this week. So in my predictions, there's your heads up. I'm going chalk. The favorites are who I'm going with. The guys who are consistently good at Richmond, that's who I'm predicting. Now, I do have a couple of people that, as far as the odds go, may be some uh, long shots, but we're definitely not going anybody crazy. We're, we're sticking with the, the favorites this week, and I'm going to go heavy on the favorites. So let's talk about it. When we talk about favorites, there's only one guy you have to start with. I feel like we start with him pretty much every week. It's Kyle Busch. I mean, he's in the prime of his career. He's going off right now at plus 300. Typically, that would really scare me away from betting on Kyle Busch, but when we're talking about Richmond, I am not scared. I'm actually surprised that it's not like plus 250 or plus 200 to win the race. 
that's how good Kyle Busch is at this racetrack. So let's get into a little bit. Like I said, he's plus 300. He's minus 134 to finish in the top three right now. That is absurd for a NASCAR driver to be minus money to finish in the top three. But what are you going to do? I mean, it's Kyle Busch. These numbers speak for themselves. He's got eight top tens in his last 10 races. That goes all the way back until 2013. So big numbers there. Then looking at just the fall races, so talking about just at night, he's got three of his last four races at night. Sorry, in the fall, he's finished in the top five. The other one was a ninth place finish. So clearly he has the the Federated Auto Parts 400 down pat right now. He leads all active drivers overall at Richmond with an average finish of 7.0. That's phenomenal. And at night, in the fall race, in the last five years, he also has an average finish of 7. So very good numbers there for Kyle Busch. I mean, he's the guy to beat when you look at it statistically. I mean, he's, he's really just that good. Now, the one stat that I think is staggering... And this is a stat that I'm going to bring up consistently for pretty much everybody we talk about on this podcast for Richmond is lead lap finishes. Because Richmond, as we know, it's a short track, you know, 0.75 mile race track. Lead lap finishes are huge because looking back, I was doing some digging and in the history of the recent history, you're going to find that there are only about 13, 15, 17 guys who finish on the lead lap. So when we're talking about an average, say, 14 finishers on the lead lap, it is huge because if you're a guy who consistently finishes on the lead lap, that by default puts you up in the running to at least finish in the top 10 and keep you in the hunt for the win. Um, Top five races, I mean, if you're betting top 10s, top fives, those are that's a sneaky stat that I think is very important. So then if you apply that to Kyle Busch, you let me just start by saying you're not going to find a better percentage out there for lead lap finishes at Richmond other than Kyle Busch because out of 28 races started at Richmond, Kyle Busch has finished on the lead lap 27 times. That is unbelievable. I mean, looking at this, I, I was looking at all the other drivers and there's nobody close to it. 27 out of 28 lead lap finishes. Phenomenal stat. It makes you just realize how good he is at this track, and it makes that plus 300 not as scary. And I'm throwing a lot of money on Kyle Busch. When we're talking about your your average, the the amount that you spend on a race, I'm throwing a a good portion on Kyle Busch just because of these stats. They're tough to, to pass up. Going back to what we were saying earlier about the the averages uh, and the percentages of where people started and and where they finished, one thing that we left out was eight out of the last 10 races, the winner has started in the top five. The two times that the winner has started outside of the top five, Kyle Busch. Unbelievable. He started 32nd a couple years ago in one, or maybe it was this race last year. So that tells me that if you bet on Kyle Busch, it doesn't matter where he starts. He has the ability to wheel that thing to the front and win the race. So mark me down for Kyle Busch. I know a lot of people hate him, but this week I'm thrilled to be able to bet on the favorite. I think it makes total sense when you look at everything 
together. So mark me down, Kyle Busch plus 300. And if you wait until after qualifying, he might qualify you know, deeper in the pack, and you might be able to get him at a different value. You might be able to get him up to 400, maybe plus 450. So depends on how you want to play it. It's the, the endless dance, like we said, but I'm at least getting him at plus 300. Sticking in Gibbs for just one second, because I do want to hit on one person from you know at least a few of the big teams here. I got to go with Denny Hamlin this week. He's going off at plus 650 right now. And if you look at the odds to finish in the top three, he's going off at plus 170. So good odds for someone that you would consider a favorite at this racetrack. His average finish overall, he's the second best average finish of active drivers at 9.4. And in the fall races, the night races, in the last 10 races, his average finish is 10th. And in the last five races at night in the fall, his average finish is 10th. So that tells me that out of everything, he's very consistent. And he truly, truly is. In the last six races here at Richmond, he has five top five finishes, including a victory. So that's phenomenal. And he has three wins at Richmond. All of them have come in the fall night race. So those are good numbers. I mean, overall, in his last 10 races, one win, five top fives, seven top tens, and a pole. Obviously, the other two wins have come previous uh, to those 10 races, but clearly someone who is a force to be reckoned with at Richmond at plus 650 when we're talking about going chalk, you're not really going to find somebody better than that, so mark me down for the 11 car as well. The next guy I'm going to be throwing money on this week Another favorite to win, it's Kevin Harvick. He's going off at plus 550, plus 140 to finish in the top three. And he's another guy who, you know, coming out of Stuart Haas Racing, he's really the only thing they have going for them right now, in my opinion. I mean, you know, it's arguable, but I would argue that all day, that he's really the guy. If you're if you're Tony Stewart, you're looking around at your stable, and, and you've got three of your four guys in the playoffs, but... Really, if you're a realist, you have one guy who has the ability to win the championship, and that's Harvick. So you're probably going to throw a lot more of your resources towards the four car. He's got eight top fives in his last 10 races here. So now one downside to that, if we're being honest here, is you know the two races that he didn't finish in the top five were at night in the fall, but still great numbers. I mean, eight top fives. If you're in the top five, when you get a late restart, you could win that race. I mean, if you're going all out, especially in the playoffs, I mean, you're going for it. You have the ability to win the race at any point if you have a late restart. So um, I love the top five number. His average finish here, he's third overall out of all drivers. He's 9.9. So we talked about the two guys that are ahead of him in that field. Uh, But when we talk about fall races, he actually improves. So in the last 10 fall races, his average finish is 8.1. So he's better here in the fall than he is overall when the, when the spring race is included. So good numbers there. And we talked about lead lap finishes. Kevin Harvick is probably the next best guy that I could find when it comes to this stat. He's finished on the lead lap 30 out of 37 times. So obviously a lot of races here, but 30 out of 37, that's damn good. In his last 10 races, he's got no wins, but like we said, eight top fives, eight top tens, and two poles. Good numbers. So I like Kevin Harvick plus 
550. But when you take all of that in consideration, all of his history here, now I want to take the fact that he is red hot into consideration. His last three races. Now, he finished dead last at Bristol, but clearly that lit a fire under his ass because he has finished in the last three races second, first, and fourth. So whatever happened at Bristol, those post-race meetings that next coming week, that really helped this four team because they are on fire and it feels like the type of playoffs that we're going to get the chalk winning races and continuing to build towards their championship four run. Truex did it last week. I could see someone like Harvick doing it this week for sure. So the next pick I wanted to choose from somebody in the Team Penske stable. Last week, I went with three guys from Penske in my picks to win, which was a very risky move. Luckily, I went with Truex outside of that group because obviously nobody from Penske won the race. But this week, it's a tough choice. It really is a toss-up between Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski. Logano's going off at plus 600. Keselowski going off at plus 800. So if you're talking about you know, choosing a favorite... I, in this case, am lured to the better odds. And Logano may have some better numbers at this racetrack, but for some reason, I feel like I got to go with, in a, in a race where we're going with a lot of the, the favorites, when I have an opportunity between two guys, and I'm, I'm not saying that you have to choose between these two guys, but I am. I don't want to take both of them. I want to choose one of them, and I'm going to roll with Kozlowski just because of his plus 800 odds right now. I feel like going with the better odds is the better choice. Then when you dive in his numbers, he's going off at plus 215 to finish in the top three. He has 10 lead lap finishes in his last 10 races. So that tells you right there that he's going to be in the race. He's going to be in it. And he's got one win, three top fives, and seven top tens. And hey, why not for the hell of it? Just mention the fact that he has a pole thrown in there. Those are all within the last 10 races here. So when you're looking at Brad Keselowski overall lifetime at Richmond, his average finish is just above 13. But in the last 10 races, it shoots up to 7.8. That is really good. I love the fact that he's trending upwards. Those are the types of guys that we like to see when we're placing bets. So Keselowski, then when you look at the fall races... It's the same thing. He's trending upwards. In the last 10 fall night races, his average finish is 12.2. But if you just look at the last five Federated Auto Parts 400s, 6.6. That's right, 6.6. He shines under the lights. We love it. Listen, at the end of the day, when we're talking about someone in any sport, when the lights come on and they're shining the brightest, this is the last night race of the year, I want the guy who thrives for those lights to come on, all right? Playoff time, it's under the lights. What are you going to do? Brad Kozlowski comes up, and he steps up, and he gets it done. 6.6 average finish. Sign me up for the two-car at plus 800. I like the value, great value, two-car, lock it in. So those are the guys, when we're talking about favorites, that I think it makes sense to bet on. You got Bush, Kozlowski, Harvick, and Hamlin, but if we want to go a little bit outside of your typical favorite, especially when you're looking at the odds, I'm going to drift to the plus 600 range, and I'm going to land on Chase Elliott, 
to win. So not a lot of stats here. I mean, he's only been here about eight times in his career, but he finished second here a year ago. It was the fall race. It was the playoff race under the lights, and I like that. It tells me that he's not scared of the moment, and Chase is someone that could, you know, really shock. And it, it wouldn't shock, I guess you should say, for the nine car to put something together and, and go on a little bit of a run here starting at Richmond. He's got two top tens in a row in the fall races. So clearly he likes the fall better than the spring. He doesn't have very good numbers in the spring. His average finish here isn't great. We won't mention it, but he's never finished off of the lead lap in eight starts. So again, goes back to what we're saying. If you're there at the end of the race, you can get something going. Maybe things don't work out for other guys. You can avoid a crash or two, and then boom, you're up at the front. Chase is someone at plus 600 that, sorry, plus 1600 that stands out to me. And he's the leader of that Hendrick camp right now in the playoffs. So you never know. I mean, it's not the the type of bet that I'm making with the confidence that I'm saying with the other guys, but at plus 600, he's definitely worth a look and I'll be throwing money on him for sure. And that brings us to my dark horse pick. And I don't know how he's this much of a dark horse when I started digging into the numbers, but let's talk about the 42 car and Kyle Larson. Okay. He's going off right now at plus 1800. He's plus 450 to finish in the top 10. So when I first saw those numbers come out on Tuesday, I said to myself, okay, Larson must not be very good here. Plus, you know, Chip Ganassi Racing, you know, two-car shop must not be their cup of tea. But then I dove into it. And in 11 races here, lifetime for Kyle Larson, his average finish is 12.2. Not bad. Not great compared to the other guys we talked about, but still not bad. He's got one win, two top fives, and four top tens. Again, Nothing to, you know, really scoff at, but also nothing to write home about. He does have 11, sorry, 10 of his 11 races finishing on the lead lap. So all enough to keep me interested. Okay, you know, at plus 1800, I'm saying to myself, I want to know more. So I took it upon myself because there were no websites out there. I mean, I love the, the stat websites out there for NASCAR, but no site gave me the nighttime races. So every number that I'm throwing out there to you guys when I'm saying the fall races or the night races, that's because I put everybody's numbers in the fall from the last 10 years in a spreadsheet, and then I narrowed it down to five years, so I would be able to flip back and forth between five and 10 average finishes. And I did this to see if I could gain any advantage on the books, and boy, howdy, did I find something. I'm hoping that this is a diamond in the rough. So in the night races, in the fall, Kyle Larson has the best average finish out of everybody at 6.6. That's the type of stuff that I'm looking for if I'm a degenerate gambler, which I am. So mark that down as a must bet at plus 1800. My goodness. Now we talked about how Kyle Busch may, you know, you may gain some advantage in the odds from him, depending on qualifying. I don't think you're going to find a better value for Kyle Larson as this weekend progresses. So if you can get him right now, at plus 1800, you better do it. He has not finished outside of the top 10 since 2011 in the Federated Auto Parts 400. So good numbers there. Now I know we talked about how a second ago, I think we mentioned 
Brad Keselowski was 6.6 in the fall races, but those were just within the last five races. We're talking about in his entire career in the fall races for Kyle Larson, he's 6.6. So obviously in the last five, he's tied with Kozlowski, which, you know, hey, I'm betting on both of them, but we're hoping that the 42 can cash in and clean up for us here in this playoff race under the lights because clearly Kyle Larson is someone who likes it when the lights turn on at Richmond. Let's talk about a couple guys that you're definitely going to want to stay away from betting on to win the race. So Martin Truex Jr. is someone that when we talk about chalk, we talk about favorites, he's going to be up at the front. He is someone who's going off at plus 550 right now. And the thing about him is, in addition to the fact that I like to avoid betting on back-to-back people, we talked about it, it's working for us, but with Martin Truex, I think it really does make sense here because he's someone at Richmond who you look at the most laps led in the last 10 races here, and Martin Truex has that stat to his advantage by like 200 laps. He has led a ton of laps here, but the thing about it is he chokes. He is a choke artist at Richmond, and I'm saying avoid him at all costs. He did finally get the monkey off of his back in the springtime, but to me, that's even worse because you're saying that he's going to win back-to-back races and then back-to-back races at Richmond and sweep the year at Richmond. No thank you. He has the most laps led at Richmond, but he's 10th overall for average finish in the last 10 races at 12.7. So to me, that's weird. Like, why are you leading so many races, so many laps in these races, and yet you don't have the finishes to show for it? And that first place finish just came this past year. So what's up? And and if you have been following along with his history here, it's typically something just goes wrong for him on pit road or something breaks on the car. He just runs into what they always say, oh, Martin Truex, poor him, just more bad luck here at a short track. Well, I'm saying that I like my guys to be consistent here. And when we talk about fall races at Richmond, he's in his last 10 fall races, the night races at Richmond, his average finish is 20.2. Then if you just look at the last five races, He's 16.6. Out of all the playoff contention drivers, he's 13th out of everyone in the fall. So when the lights come on, Martin Truex goes away at Richmond, and I'm avoiding him this week for sure. The last guy that we'll mention here to to avoid betting on to win the race is Ryan Blaney because he's a playoff driver, he's got a big name, he's a fan favorite a lot of the time, and his odds right now are plus 4,000. That makes you blink twice when you see that. Plus 4,000 for Ryan Blaney? What the hell is going on here? I mean, I have to really look into this. Well, it doesn't take you very long if you start to do some research on it. His average finish here is 26.7, and he's only finished on the lead lap at Richmond two of seven races here. Not good. So especially if you're talking about to win the race, plus 4,000 is so intriguing to me. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, what if? You know, he's a big name. Got to love him. He's part of a great team. Two guys who are favorites in this race. Why not throw some money on Ryan Blaney? But I'm here to tell you don't waste your money, even if it's just a little bit, because Blaney is not going to win this race. Just some names 
just for your information, that have better average finishes than Ryan Blaney, who have raced here a similar amount of times, Chris Busher, Bubba Wallace, and Ty Dillon. I think I rest my case. We're going to transition now into some quick picks on some top 10 finishes. Somebody that I like at plus 150 right now, and I think when the green flag waves on Saturday night, he's going to be right around that you know breaking point from uh, guys who will be minus money to, to plus money. But right now he's plus 150, and that's Clint Boyer. So four of the last six night races, Boyer has finished – in the top 10. So that's something, you know, to, to chew on when we're talking about guys finishing the top 10. If he's positive value, if he's, if you're gaining money on here, plus 150, um, anything else, you know, in the positive, I like betting on Boyer. He's in the playoffs. He's fighting for his season right now. Obviously, Richmond's a weird place for him because that's when, you know, he had that strange, situation years ago driving for Michael Waltrip Racing where he spun out on purpose to get Truex into the playoffs. But I think he's put that behind him, and uh, I'm going to go with it. He has 15 top 10s in his career out of 27 races at Richmond, and he's finished on the lead lap 22 of 27 races. So again, finishing on the lead lap could manifest into a top 10 finish depending on who you are and I think Clint Boyer when you put him in the situation that he's in he's in the playoffs he can finish on the lead lap I think he could squeak in to the top 10 so I'm definitely going to be looking to put my then more of a long shot I mean it's it's really tough because we're talking about how the the favorites are going to dominate this weekend I find it really really hard to imagine that somebody that a is not in the playoffs and b really not in the top 12 or 8 in the the playoff standings is really going to do any damage here. Um, So when we're looking for value picks for the top 10, it's tough because the top 10 is a little crowded with guys fighting for their playoff lives. But I'll throw a name out there to you. I'll go with Ricky Stenthouse Jr. He's going off at plus 400 to finish in the top 10 right now. And out of 13 races, he's finished on the lead lap nine times. He's got two top 10s. His average finish isn't phenomenal. It's 19.9. But I mean, that's kind of what I would expect from Ricky Stenhouse at a racetrack like Richmond. I mean, he's more of a a wide open type of race car driver and Richmond being the short track that it is, doesn't really lend itself to that. His best finish here is fourth. It was a couple years ago. So a little bit of time between now and then, but still, I mean, if we're looking for value, I'm going really, I'm riding really hard with this lead lap stat. That's really what I'm leaning on here uh, to find someone. And, and Ricky Stenhouse at plus 400 could be worth your money. Guys, to avoid, you may, again, be tempted into Ryan Blaney to finish in the top 10. If his value is very good, maybe consider it. But for all of the reasons that we just talked about a couple minutes ago, plus the fact that his best finish at Richmond is 18th. I mean, for, for a guy who's so good overall... It's so weird to me that he struggles with this racetrack. I ended up looking up uh, an interview that he had in the spring, and he said, I don't know what it is, but whenever we come here, we just can't seem to figure it out. We will move ahead and look to next race, and hopefully by the fall, we have something put together for this track. So that, to me, is like a guy who, you know, 
didn't really finish too well on the test. And he's like, oh, well, I'll get him at the finals. Meaning like, you know, I'll, uh, future me will worry about that. Future Team 12 will uh, worry about that. And I don't think that they are going to have that figured out for this weekend. So I'm going to say avoid Blaney, not only for the win, but avoid him for the top 10 as well. Then to finish off the top 10, another person to avoid, Paul Menard. He's going off at plus 400 right now, and his average finish is 23.9. Not good, plus the fact that he's retiring. I don't think he's out to prove anything at a racetrack where he's clearly not that good. Out of 25 career starts for Paul Menard, he has finished on the lead lap nine times. Nine times. Do I think that the 10th is coming on Saturday? I do not. Not good. He's only got two top 10 finishes out of 25 career starts at Richmond. Do not fall into that trap. Avoid Paul Menard and the 21 car. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. So let's talk about head-to-head matchups. I've got four winners that I've selected and then one complete toss-up. But we're going to go with the Harvick versus Truex matchup. They are both even going off at minus 115 apiece. Truex has the season series over Harvick right now, 15 to 12. But we talked about everything with these guys a little bit ago in the winner's circle section. And Harvick has a 4-1 to one lead in the last five races in the fall against Truex. Combine the fact that Harvick is so very good at Richmond and Truex is such a choke artist. To me, I feel like Harvick should be the favorite in this by a little bit. But the fact that they're going off even, I like Harvick to win easily in this matchup. It may not seem like it during the race. It may seem like Truex you know, has it put together. But I think you wait till the end and the four car will be ahead of the 19 when the checker flag waves. The next matchup that I'm looking at is one that we hit on last week, and I am going back to that well, and it's Kyle Larson versus Eric Jones. I talked about why I love Kyle Larson as a dark horse to even win the race in a head-to-head matchup against Eric Jones. I like it even more because they're both going off even right now, minus 115. I don't think that makes a lick of sense when you look at Kyle Larson's history here. We mentioned all of those numbers earlier. Looking at Eric Jones, he only has one top five here in his career, an average finish of 16.4. Head-to-head, Larson has the season series 14 to 13. And in the last two fall races, he's 2-0 versus Jones. In the last Five races total against Eric Jones. He's 4-1. and one. So it, this to me seems like a cakewalk again. I feel like the public is riding high on Eric Jones just because of his recent performance. But I'm under the impression, until he really kind of shuts me up, I'm under the impression that Eric Jones might be on a downswing um, this week at Richmond. I mean, the stats just don't apply to him doing well compared to someone like Kyle Larson. So mark me down for Larson over Jones in that matchup. And coming off of that, we've got two guys we haven't talked about yet. It's Eric Almarola versus Alex Bowman. These are two guys who are in the playoffs, but they're further down the pack. No one's really talking about them, not really expecting much out of either of these two guys um, as far as championship hopes. And to me, that makes this matchup pretty intriguing, makes it fun to watch because these guys are desperate. These are the guys who would love a win, 
because it would sneak them into the next round. But they're fighting for their playoff lives every single week because one bad move, one bad decision, and just like that, they're in the bottom four because they don't have the insurance to keep them up above sea level just like Kyle Busch does. So looking at the tail of the tape, Almirola has the season advantage 15-12, to 12, and he also has the track advantage here because Alex Bowman is horrendous here. His average finish is 26th. Now, you might want to consider the fact that he was driving a couple, you know, shit boxes a little while ago, um, which, you know, definitely helped that average. But still, 26 overall uh, average finish is still 26. So take that and you consider that Eric Almarola, who has never really had a, a phenomenal ride. I mean, Stuart Haas Racing, I would say the 88 machine is better than, you know, what Almarola is in in the 10. So when you look at his numbers at Richmond, Almarola, you're talking uh, fall race in the night. In the last 10 races, he's got an average finish of 14. And then in the last five races in the fall, his average finish is 10.6. So pretty good. He's ninth, actually. When we're looking at the last five races in the fall at Richmond, he's ninth out of all the playoff contenders. So Look at the head-to-head matchup at Richmond. Almirola is 3-0 in the fall, and he's 2-1 in the last three races here. I like Almirola. I don't like anybody at Hendrick other than Chase Elliott. I feel like they're throwing a lot of their money behind the scenes. I know this makes no sense. Fans say this all the time, and I I feel like it makes no sense, but I'm going to say it. I feel like they're sending more of their money to the 9 car than the 24 and the 88. I just think that They know Chase is really the only one in that camp that has a chance to win the championship. So, you know, I don't think if if that is true, then they'll never admit it. But it also means that in this scenario where you have a driver who's really not great at a track, plus the fact that, you know, maybe somebody else in their camp is getting a lot more money than they are to to do well. um, Give me the 10 over the 88 this week. Lock it in. And then we'll move on to the last winner that I'm going to choose here in the head-to-head matchup. And these are two guys that are outside of the playoffs, which I think, you know, even though they're outside of the playoffs, I think it's worth watching them and betting on them because it keeps the race more interesting and fun for you. It's Jimmy Johnson versus Daniel Suarez, each going off minus 115, so even start. I like Johnson in this matchup. Now, this season, Suarez has a commanding 17-10 lead on the year against Johnson, which is very surprising to me. I was shocked when I saw that. Uh, But when you take into consideration that Johnson's just really had a rough year, may not be that surprising, but still, I mean, Johnson's such a big name compared to Suarez. They're one and one versus each other in fall races, and Johnson has a four and one record total at Richmond in the last five races here. 3-0 in the last three races. So um, even though Johnson has been on more of a downswing, he still has managed to put up a 3-0 record at Richmond against Suarez. So you could take those numbers and put that in your pipe and smoke it, and I'm going to come out with Jimmy Johnson as the winner in this head-to-head matchup. I mean, he's got a demanding presence at Richmond, seven top tens total compared to two for Richmond in the last 10 races for Johnson. Um, Again, that's not career. That's last 10 at Richmond. So mark me down for the 48 team. Everyone thinks they're dead. I think they're going to utilize this time 
to try to rebound, just like Joey Logano did. I saw an interview with Jimmy Johnson where they talked about how Logano missed the playoffs, and he used the rest of that year to really gear up for the the following year, and I think that's what the 48 team's doing. I think they are going to put themselves in good position for next year, and uh, for the 41 camp, I feel like they're still kind of drowning in their own tears. So 48 wins this matchup by a lot. And then the only other thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that Brad Keselowski is going up against Joey Logano right now. He Brad is going off at plus 100, so he's an underdog against Joey. I think it makes sense, but if you're someone like me who is taking the odds, I, I mentioned earlier in the, in the winners section how close these guys are in comparison to each other at Richmond. So if you're someone who likes Kozlowski to win the race, why not take him with some good odds here, plus 100 over Logano. But this is a toss-up. I may put together a parlay with those other four guys, but with this one, I think it's more of a toss-up. But I'm just saying, if you're liking Kozlowski when the weekend starts and as you see the progression through practice and qualifying, then I think you should be all over this in the matchup, take the two car over the 22. Because right now, from where I stand, I like that matchup. So just to recap, I've got Harvick over Truex, Larson over Jones, Almirola over Bowman, Johnson over Suarez, and then it's more of a value play if you want it, Kozlowski over Logano. That's how we're going to finish up the head-to-head section. So we're going to finish off with another rant, and this again has more of a positive swing. This is a way that I think betting on NASCAR can be more fun, and this is actually kind of tackling less of the hardcore gambler and more of the everyday person, everyday sports fan. You might not even really be a NASCAR fan, but I feel like this is something that could be utilized to really get people interested. Maybe if it's even just for one race, you keep them involved. You have that one person who might try this concept out that I'm about to lay out, and uh, they become more interested and then eventually get hooked. So this is something that I have done with friends and family members with NASCAR, and I've also done it for horse racing, for like the Preakness and Kentucky Derby and stuff like that. So we're calling this concept lottery bets. And essentially what this is, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people out there have done something like this. And what we're talking about here is you get a group of friends together. Let's say it's 10 people. What you would do in that case is chop up the field of competitors. So in this case, you chop up all the drivers, you put their names in a hat, and you divvy out all the names to the 10 people that you're sitting around with. This would be all random, so you're going to get the drivers assigned to you. Um, So if it's being pulled out of a hat or however you want to divvy up, that's how it would lay in front of you. But at the end of the day, going into the race, everybody's got drivers that they're cheering for. So you would put in like 10, 20 bucks into the pot. So if you have 10 guys sitting around watching a race, maybe the race is on in the background. This is something that I've done with some friends and family just to make it interesting for everyone, even especially non-NASCAR fans, because now these people have guys in front of them you know, you throw 10 bucks up, that's 100 bucks you could easily walk away with if it's just a, a night hanging in, watching the race, doing other things, you know, playing some beer games, whatever. And it's easy. And now you have a, someone who has never watched NASCAR really before, and they've got Kyle Bush as one of their guys by chance, and now they're really cheering for him come the end of the race. I feel like this lottery bet, this pull out of a hat concept 
can be utilized by either betting sites or like fantasy NASCAR websites, NASCAR.com. In my mind, the way this would work would be you sign up and either you have a group of people that you want to play with, so people that you know, or you get assigned to random people, but you're able to filter out how much money you want to spend, what the driver pool is. So for example, say I want to spend, all right, this coming race, I want to be in a group of 10 people and I want to put up, say, 20 bucks for this race. So the pot is now $200. The driver pool could also be custom made. So I could say, I just want to look at the best 10 drivers as far as the odds are concerned, or you could make it, you know, 20 guys. So you get two drivers assigned to you. Uh, regardless, all that stuff is customizable. The person kind of running the pool is in charge of setting those things. And just like kind of fantasy, uh, daily fantasy works right now in DraftKings or FanDuel, where you're able to see a lobby of different options and different game types to jump into if you want. That's how I visualize this working as well. So I see, okay, well, there's a maximum of 10 people participating. The driver pool is 20. I'm going to get two drivers for 20 bucks. I like that. You know that you're not going to get some dud driver like Reed Sorensen or, you know, whoever, Landon Castle, some guy that you have no shot of winning with, you're going to get guys who are legitimate and have a chance to win the race. So I, in addition, though, I think you should have the ability, you know, if you're sitting around with some buddies, um, you should have the ability to throw in maybe like one dud into the driver pool just to, you know, kind of rip on that guy who gets uh, the old maid pretty much. Uh, but that's, you know, kind of a more of a, a more detailed part of this game. But the point remains that you're able to do this, and it's very simplistic. You don't even have to think about it. You're randomly assigned a driver, and it keeps people into the race if it's on in the background. And at some point, there will be someone who participates in something like this in a lottery bet, pull out of a hat, whatever you want to call it, and they get into the race for that one night, and they walk away saying, hmm, I'm kind of interested in that. I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to keep watching. So it builds the, the audience up for your sport, and it's a, a consistent flow of new eyes on the sport. So there's really no losers here. This, to me, is perfect for a, a DraftKings Daily Fantasy-type setup. It's perfect for this NBC Sports Predictor type of feel where it's not actual gambling. I mean, because there's a lot of people that get turned off by sports betting or sports books. So it's not exactly gambling, but it is. You still have a, an opportunity to make money. I mean, maybe if you just want to bet five bucks or, or throw up five bucks into the pool, fine. That's all customizable. This has been something that my friends and family have been doing for a long time. And it makes people who, you know, say for horse racing, people don't give a shit about horse racing, but they are glued to the TV for that race when they've got a, a horse assigned to them. And the same thing has been done in the past for, for NASCAR races in, in our family. And it definitely makes sense that this is something that could be very big and explode into a, a larger scale type of operation. So it makes sense to me. I hope somebody out there is listening. Once again, you know, we can work on a patent. We can make some money. Let's make it happen. 
If you're out there, feel free email me at fulltankwithphil at gmail.com. Let's let's get it going. You know what I mean? And if uh, you have any questions, also feel free to email me on there as well. We can work it out. We can we can get this going. But that's the rant for this week. It's more positive than uh, anything else. So um, I really feel like this is something that is has the ability to to scale and make the sport of NASCAR stronger in the future. So that'll do it this week. Take the winners. Let's try to keep the streak alive. I'm really feeling it. I I love the the chalk predictions this week. I love Kyle Busch. He's angry. He's he's thirsty for a win. The other guys also make total sense when you look at the numbers. Go out, put some money down on the night race, and we'll be good to go to spend a lot of money spreading out our picks next week at the Roval. We'll see you next time. Go. Hell no place to go.